If you would turn in your Bibles, <clears throat> excuse me. Our uh, scripture reading this morning will be from the book of Hebrew, chapter 11, verses 4 through 11. Hebrews 11, 4 through 11. By faith, Abel offered to God more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it being dead still speaks, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had his testimony that he pleased God. But without uh, faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who... I'm sorry. <clears throat> For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a, re, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he con, uh, condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, <clears throat> by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waiting for the city which was foundations, <clears throat> whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and, sore, uh, and she bore a child. When she was past the age, because she judged him faithfully who he had promised. Memorial Day is tomorrow. Of course, that is uh, our national holiday, commemorating those who gave their lives in service to our nation. Memorial Day began, and many of you may remember this, not the beginning date, but the fact that it is called Decoration Day. Now, I don't know if Tom may, be, may remember this beginning date, 1868. You remember that, Tom? He can't, he can't say anything right now, so I'm going to get him while I can. But it began after the Civil War. Now, its purpose, of course, was to honor those who died. And uh, uh, people did that by marking their graves with flowers. Uh, but by the 20th century, the uh, Union and the Confederate holidays, and I believe it was 1971, had merged into what we now commemorate as Memorial Day. And we continue to honor those men and women who had given their lives in war. And we should always be reminded of that great sacrifice. I think that's an honorable thing. I think we ought to always recall to remembrance people who gave their lives in battle so that we can do what we're doing today. So that we can come together and, and worship the God of heaven without fear of repercussion that we can come together and worship the way we see fit to worship. 
Not the way the state tells us to worship. And honor those folks who sacrificed and gave all that they had to give for the nation in which we live. Now, I've known a whole lot of heroes in my life, and I know that you have too. Some of those heroes were military heroes. Some who served our nation during war, and some who served our nation during peace. And I thought today would be a good day to focus on those heroes who we know and those just about who we know. We may not have known them personally, but we know about them. We've heard about them. We've studied about them. We know their names, though we may not know them personally. But this morning I want to focus on a, on a different kind of a hero. Some gave their lives in service and some, some were just simply willing to give their lives in service. And that means a lot, doesn't it? The willingness to give their lives. I'm talking about the many heroes who live and, and, the, and lived their lives in faithfulness to God. That's the kind of hero that we're talking about this morning. And we read many of those names in Hebrews chapter 11. Brother Greg mentioned a few of those names as he read that. But they aren't the only heroes in the spiritual world. Those are just some of the many heroes that we know about. Some of those more famous heroes, those that have been written in the inspired Word of God that most people have heard. But you know, there are a lot of other heroes that a lot of the world doesn't know about. In fact, I think that we could sit down and we could write down our own list of heroes, many of whom... This congregation has lost herself a lot of heroes. A lot of heroes that we could personally, each individual here could write a list of heroes that we know who who have been faithful to God that, that have gone on, and we could write that list ourselves, couldn't we, as individuals. I remember one time someone was telling me about being in India, and they had gone to a leper colony, and and there was a picture of a, of a man who had begun that leper colony in India and uh, his picture was hanging on the wall and uh, no one knew about, about this man. No one knew outside of that leper colony, maybe a few people in that village, but he had begun that and someone had made the off-cuff remark that no one even knows he exists in the world. And the person who had gone to visit there says, the people in this leper colony knows he exists. And God knows he exists. See, that man was a hero, wasn't he? That man was a hero. Let's ask a question, though. This is a Memorial Day idea that we're talking about. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. What's the purpose of a memorial? What's the very purpose of a memorial? Well, obviously, it's to remember, right? I mean, that's the idea of a memorial, to remember, but, but why? Why do we do that? We have a memorial every Sunday. We have a memorial feast. We have a memorial supper. There are a lot of different ways to describe what we do when we partake of the Lord's Supper. We eat the unleavened bread. We drink the grape juice. And it is a memorial. But why do we do that? Well, we do it to remember. But why do we remember? What's the purpose of that? I think if we had to choose one word, what would that word be? I think we could choose a word to describe why we do it. And what would that be? Well, there are probably a whole lot of words we could choose to describe that. But what would one word be? 
I think I might choose the word gratitude. Gratitude. Often memorials are based on that word gratitude. We go to Washington, D.C., and there are a myriad of memorials in our United States Capitol. You have a World War I memorial. You have a World War II memorial. You have a Korean War memorial. That's kind of special to me. My dad fought in the Korean War. And when the first time I went to see the Korean War, it was very emotional to me. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, that's a war my father fought in. And then you go to the the Vietnam Memorial War, and, and my wife's father fought in the Vietnam era, or, or he was in the military in the Vietnam era war. He was a he was in the Navy during the Vietnam era, and that was, I'm sure, emotional to her. And and you see that memorial. What's the purpose of that? What's well, gratitude, right? And you're you're grateful for those folks who do that. And so then we gather on Sunday morning, and we. We pass the bread and we, we pass the, the grape juice. And why are we eating bread and drinking grape juice? What's the purpose of that? Well, we're trying to remember what Jesus did for us, but why? Gratitude. We better have gratitude, right? That's why when we sit down and, and we, we eat that cracker, we need to be thinking about what Jesus did in gratitude. We need to focus on what He's doing Trying not to allow our minds to wonder, which happens sometimes, right? But we need to focus in gratitude of what He gave on our behalf. It is that important. See, we have a memorial, but it is gratitude. But it's gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern sea coast of Florida on one occasion. In fact, every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would return walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. You see, the seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them from his bucket. But many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rockenbecker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure in his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the flying fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. You see, the fuel ran dangerously low, so the men had to ditch their plane in the ocean. And for nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. Now they spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their raft. Now the largest raft was nine by five. The largest shark was ten feet long. But of all their enemies at sea, one proved the most formidable, and that was starvation. Eight days out, their rations ran out or destroyed by the salt water. And it would take, of course, in their minds, a miracle, and they think one happened. Now, Captain Eddie's own words, Cherry, that was the B-17 pilot, Captain William Cherry, read the service that afternoon. They were religiously minded. And he says, We finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn and a praise. He said there was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, he said, I dozed off. 
Now, this is still Captain Rickenbacker talking. He said something landed on, on my head. He said, I knew it was a seagull. He said, I don't know how I knew it was a seagull, but I knew it was a seagull. He said, everyone else knew it was a seagull. But no one said a word. But peering out from under the brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on the faces of everyone else staring at that gull. Now here's what that gull meant. Food. If I could catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the gull. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because a lone seagull uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land offered itself as a sacrifice. You know that Captain Eddie made it. Well, he made it and his buddies made it. And now you also know that he never forgot because every Friday evening about sunset on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, slightly bent, his bucket filled with shrimp, was to feed the gulls. To remember that one which on a day long past gave itself without a struggle, like manna in the wilderness. You see, brethren, that's the idea behind a memorial, isn't it? And we memorialize heroes who gave their lives fighting. We memorialize people who are faithful. And you see, Captain Eddie memorialized this seagull who, for whatever reason, ended up out in the middle of the ocean, hundreds of miles away from land, for no apparent reason. That wasn't a miracle. Could have been providential. But he memorialized that seed goal. Now you see, we have a whole list of heroes in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And after parading each one, Bias, the writer of Hebrews, makes a statement. He says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You see, those heroes have been brought to our attention for a reason. They've been brought to our attention by the Holy Spirit that we might learn from their willingness to give up what they love for what they love more. The title of the sermon this morning is Remembering the Heroes. And I want us to do that. Let's remember the heroes, but to, but to remember the heroes, we have to first be able to recognize what a hero is. And that's our first point. To recognize means to accept or be aware that something is true or exists. Down through history. All down through history, the faithful has always relied on the authority of God. Noah is described as one who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Moses recorded this, Genesis 6, beginning with verse 6. 
And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why out of all the people of the world was it that Noah found grace in the eyes of God? Why was it that Noah found unmerited favor in the eyes of God? Well, first of all, he relied upon God. That's why he found grace. He looked to God. If God said to do something, that's what Noah decided he wanted him to do. He didn't go outside the bounds of God. He didn't drag something inside the bounds of God. He did what God asked him to do. And because he recognized God was the one he needed to please. He didn't try to please his neighbor. He didn't try to please whatever kind of authority was in place as far as uh, uh, civilian life was concerned. I'm sure he obeyed whatever laws were in place. But he pleased God. He relied upon God, and he recognized God for who he was. Solomon said this, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Everything. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. This is all. That's why we're here. Right? That's the purpose. That's the thing. Abraham saw God for what he was, and he acted appropriately. Do you notice that Abraham didn't do a whole lot of arguing with God? Now, he, he kind of debated with God for the lives of the people in Sodom, but he didn't argue with God trying to get what he wanted instead of what God wanted. While all the other inhabitants of Ur, including his family, fell down and worshipped idol gods, Abraham worshipped the God of heaven, Right? Joshua said this, Joshua 24, beginning of verse 2. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. Now he's talking about the, the great river. Even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied him see, his seed and gave him Isaac. Because of his great faith. Abraham relied upon God to provide for him. And he did provide for him. He gave him both in this life and in the next. He relied upon him, right? While tending sheep in the wilderness, Moses saw a bush, didn't he? You recall that. That bush was a flame. It burned with fire, but it didn't burn up. That caught his attention. He wanted to investigate. So he walked over to it, Exodus chapter 3, beginning of verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed, and Moses said, I will not turn aside. And, and uh, uh, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. After approaching the bush, he heard these words, Moses, Moses. And when he heard that, he called and he replied, Here am I, verse 4. When he recognized that God was speaking, he hid his face for he was afraid. You know, when he recognized that God was speaking, 
He demonstrated great respect for God. He recognized that God was the authority. He was afraid to look upon God, verse 6. Do you think some of that is missing today? Do you think there's a problem in today's society with a lack of respect for God? Do you think people in today's world want to commit atrocities toward God while looking at Him right in the face? Staring at Him right in the eyes and they're not afraid to look at God? They do not represent any kind of respect in this life toward God whatsoever. Nothing like what Moses did. Moses was afraid to look upon God. Now when we talk about this fear that Moses had, we're not talking about a tyrannical fear. We're talking about an awe for God. A reverential fear. A fear that God is so great and so awesome it strikes fear into us. Not that He's going to do something bad to us, but just the sheer power. It ought to scare us, right? The sheer power of God. Not that we're terrified that He's going to do something that that is terrible, but that He has the power. He's the great Creator, right? That's reverence toward God. We first learn that kind of fear from our parents, right? Not that we fear they're going to hurt us, but that they are, in our minds, when we are small, that they are all-powerful. That's how we learn our first interaction with our with, with, with authority, right? That, that's how a child learns that. Because as far as a small child is concerned, a parent is all-powerful. That's, that's where we get our information. That's where we get our commands, right? And... In our direction. See, that's how we ought to feel toward God. People are not afraid to look at God and continue to do exactly what they're doing in the world today. But listen, that's not new. That's not new. This world isn't, isn't as bad as it has been. It's not as bad as it has been in Noah's day. It was even worse. But you see, heroes don't do that. A hero will give himself or herself to God and will demonstrate reverential fear, will bow before God, will prostrate themselves before God and will offer God the kind of respect that He deserves. Those in Hebrews chapter 11 aren't the only heroes who have served in God's army. Those are just the ones that the Holy Spirit wrote about. See, we have heroes sitting among us today. Must... A hero give his life in service to God to be recognized? Well, no. But a hero must be willing to do that. A hero must be willing to do that. He doesn't have to die by the sword, but he must be willing to die by the sword in his service to God. What about a modern day hero who's been mistreated by friends or family or or by the government or, or whatever the case may be? That person is still a hero. They're heroes because they listened to the words Jesus spoke and they believed them. That's what a hero does. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus spoke those words, Matthew 10 beginning with verse 33. But he also continued saying, But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. You see, those great heroes of Hebrews chapter 11 were heroes because they relied upon God and because they reached out to those around them. That's how you recognize a hero. 
That's part of it. That's in their DNA, so to speak, isn't it? Our Lord showed His expectation of that when He delivered what we know as the Great Commission. That's what a hero does. He or she fulfills that Great Commission. Some believe we're not under the obligation to fill the Great Commission today. That's not true. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's within that commandment, right? And teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. See, that's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Well, what was Jesus teaching? Go into all the world, right? Go into all the world. Well, if we teach people what He taught, we're teaching people to go into all the world. Well, that's part of the Great Commission. The world here is probably better translated age, but it it doesn't harm the text. The world, when this world ends, this age ends, right? So it doesn't matter. But the Savior was speaking of this Christian age. And so we're to do that during this time. Prior to this promise of His always being with us, He commanded again, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. So we need to do that. We need to do that. So if we're going to remember the heroes, and that's what a memorial wants us to do, then we need to recognize that. We first have to recognize what they are. We have to recognize who they are, right? We also must be willing to receive what God has given. That's what a hero does. A hero will receive what God has given. God's not going to make us do it. This is our second point. But a hero will willingly receive that. And here's the thing. We have to accept God on His terms. I think that's the issue with the world today. I think most people in the world believe in God, some, some sort of a higher being, right? And they want to be saved. But have you noticed they want to be saved the way they want to be saved? Not the way God wants to be, uh, wants to save the world. That's a problem. That's not what a hero does. If you look through the history of the military in our nation, these folks follow orders, don't they? They follow orders. They do what the chain of command tells them to do. That's how they ended up being a hero. That's how they ended up being a hero. Well, see, spiritual heroes do what God has asked them to do. Now, that's up to us whether we're going to do it or not. But if we're going to be a hero, that's what we must do. Webster's Dictionary gives the definition of accept as to take it or to receive it willingly. That's on us, right? That's on us. Notice again some of the faithful of the past and how they accepted God's message. The writer said, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith, Hebrews eleven seven. God did not have to convince Noah to do the right thing. He didn't have to push him to build an ark. He didn't have to debate with him. He didn't have to argue with him. Noah simply moved with fear and did what God asked him to do. Noah, build an ark. Yes, sir. I'll build an ark. He moved with that reverential fear, that reverential awe of God being the creator of all things. I'll build an ark. And he was saved, he and his house. Without argument, Abraham decided to offer the son of promise. 
Think about that. Abraham, sacrifice your son. Abraham, sacrifice your only son. Abraham, sacrifice your only son, the one you love. Didn't have to debate with him. Didn't have to argue with him. Didn't have to plead with him. Simply told him what to do. Yes, I'll offer my son. He did what God asked him to do. There are others, in fact, a whole chapter of those who accepted what God was giving, but they're not the only ones. Let's not forget those who have agreed to follow God in our time. Right? Even when it meant losing things they loved. When we accept what God has given to us, sometimes we're going to suffer physically. You know, untold Christians in today's world have have uh, suffered or been threatened in different ways to become Christians. We talked a little bit about that in Bible class this morning. We don't know, and we'll never know exactly how that has happened, but it happens. Yet they still embrace God's message. Notice what Jesus said in Revelation 2, verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now that those things aren't common in this nation. Very common throughout the rest of the world. Very common throughout many nations in the rest of the world. But those who endure do so because they are willing to give up the things of this life. And that's what Paul said. I count all other things as done, as rubbish, as garbage. It doesn't mean anything. But he wanted to lay hold on eternal life. What about these heroes? Remembering the heroes. We need to recognize them. We need to understand that a hero will receive the thing that God gives. And he'll do it willingly. But a hero is also someone who replies to God's message. That's our third and our last point. God demands His creation to react to His message. Now here's the thing. We're going to react one way or the other. Even if we say nothing, that's a reaction to it, right? To react means to change in response. We have been given those uh, examples, right, of change. Noah built an ark. Abraham gathered up all of his possessions and he left. He left, right? He left a place he was familiar with. He did all of those things. Centuries later, uh, Moses returned to Egypt, a place he had fled in fear of his life. He went back because God asked him to. On the day of Pentecost, Peter and, and the other apostles stood and said, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Acts 2.14. Now what was the reaction to that? See, that was the first gospel message. That was the first great sermon. There was a change of heart in about 300, or 3,000 rather, who were in attendance at that time. There was a great change. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You see, those people who asked that question were true heroes. They were true heroes. They were willing to react, to change in response to what God had told them. Well, what shall we do to what? What are you talking about? Well, what shall we do about this sin that you've convicted us of? We murdered the very Son of God. How can we take that away? 
Well, Peter replied to that, right? We were, he replied. He gave them an answer. And, and they needed to respond. They needed to respond to that. See, we have life. We have time right now, but we must respond properly. And the same thing was, was true to those people. They asked the right question. But it has to go beyond the right question, right? They received a proper answer. But just because an answer is given doesn't mean it's the right answer. We have to compare that to what God says. God has called each of us through the gospel of Christ, 2 Thessalonians 2.14. And we have to compare that to the gospel. Someone may say, well, you just have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, that's, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. That's not what the Bible says. We have to compare it to the Bible, right? The, the response God wants is this. One place is found in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not is damned. Okay, so we've got belief and baptism. God wants belief, but He also wants repentance and conversion. Right? Acts 3, 19. He wants confession unto salvation. Romans 10, 10. He wants the listener to submit to baptism. Now that's a response that Peter gave. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Not part of you, not just the elect God chose before eternity or before time, right? Because that's not found in the Bible. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and it were added unto them about three thousand souls. See, that's the answer, right? That's the correct answer, because that comes from the Bible. Like all those heroes of the past and the ones who live today, we continue to respond to God by living faithfully, Matthew 10, 22. That's the idea, right? Now what happens, what happens if that person, and this does happen, slips up and, and leaves the church? What if a person steps outside of walking in the light? Is he lost forever? Well, he might be. He might be if he doesn't repent of that sin, if he doesn't confess his sin. He may have to do it publicly. depends on if, if he can go privately to a person or people. But if he can't do that, he has to, has to confess that sin publicly. According to James chapter 5, ask God to forgive him. And then he's right back walking in the light again. That's what God expects, right? That's what he expects. We have a great list of heroes for us to learn from in the Bible. But remember, they're not the only heroes. They're not the only heroes. Let's remember them. Let's remember the ones who've gone on before us. Let's remember and honor the ones who are among us. All that call on the name of the Lord and the way He has commanded are heroes. And they're faithful and they're great examples to all of us. And let's always remember, what's the point of a memorial? Why do we memorialize gratitude? And the greatest memorial that we'll ever have is when we come together and we eat the Lord's Supper and we memorialize what He did for us in gratitude of what He did. But let's always remember the hero. If you stand in need to answer the Lord's invitation this day, do that as we stand and as we sing.